0: welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire. And today we have a saucy TikTok star on the podcast to talk about how he gained millions of followers in a matter of months and why salt is your best friend. He is an entrepreneur, content creator and the mastermind behind Salt Hank. It's Henry Laporte. Henry, welcome to Food Network Obsessed. Of course, most people know you by your online persona, Salt Hank. So uh, let's start there. What is the story behind your name?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That was just kind of the first thing that I typed into the TikTok username entry. <laughs> and, and then I couldn't think of anything else after that. And it didn't seem like the worst name ever. It's two syllables. It's easy to remember. And it's got my name in it. So I stuck with it and then I went viral. I was like, "Okay, I can't change it now. Well, now you can
0: change it. You're stuck with it for forever now. (laughs) Exactly.
1: And now it's like my actual name. Everybody calls me Salt. So I kind of like predetermined my future name forever (laughs) by just like (laughs) typing it into TikTok at one point.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Well, let's talk about TikTok, because obviously, as you mentioned, you went viral there. What led up to like getting on the platform and deciding that you were going to be creating these videos? Because I know you graduated with a journalism degree and and really tried your hand at a a couple of things before landing where you are now.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. TikTok specifically, I just noticed there was like an explosion of food stuff happening on there. And I'd always been obsessed with food content and food media and everything related to that on like YouTube and all the other platforms and obviously Food Network as well. But then it really started to sort of blow up on TikTok and it wasn't really just like dancers or the type of stuff that was originally on there. The food scene was like exploding during COVID. So that's what made me sort of get on there. And it was sort of just like a natural fit. It felt easy-ish and it was like really fun and you know such short videos it's like not an insane amount of work or like a crazy barrier to entry like mm-hmm. you're literally just filming yourself cook with your phone and if you have some sort of basic knowledge of editing and kind of you know how, how to shoot then it's it's pretty easy to throw together a video and, and like you mentioned i have a broadcast journalism degree so i kind of grabbed a lot of that knowledge from there
0: do you remember like the first Video that you did that like went really viral.
1: Yeah, I had COVID and I made Maddie Matheson's pozole recipe, and it <laughs> did, I think got like forty thousand likes. And immediately, I like quit quit my job. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I quit my job. Like, well, I just stopped working. I didn't okay. quit. I just completely gave up on anything else. And that was, I was like, okay, we're we're in this now. This is all I care about. Because it had been my dream for like years and years to be involved in food media. I still wasn't. And I was like, okay, if I could do it once, I could try and do it again. And worst case scenario, in six months, I'll have gotten nowhere and I'll give up. But I have to at least try. So I basically just gave up on everything else and started filming TikToks like every single day. And that's all I did (laughs) for a while. And it worked out, luckily. Yeah, it was
0: a pretty good gamble on yourself, I'd say. I mean, I saw one video now has like over 70 million views, which is just bonkers. What, What do you think about your videos? Was it that kind of made them start to take off?
1: Yeah, that lamb burger went crazy. That actually, I think that sort of informed my decision making for like going viral after that. It was sort of a little bit of a formula in the beginning and i i don't know if like if people still notice but all my videos start with building the sandwich Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the exact same entry point for every single video it's like slapping food down on bread crunchy bite big crunchy bite stupid comment by me some like (laughs) goofy thing i'll say and then that just seemed to really really work well in the beginning and then i don't know maybe people got used to it but for for the first like couple months of that, it was they were getting like ten to twenty million views, like pretty frequently. So, so that little formula definitely was what really kind of changed the game for me, and yeah, that, that worked. I still use it to this day, but now I'm able to kind of branch out and do other stuff as well, which is nice.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you think that the the internet, specifically TikTok, kind of rewards that? Not, not formulaic, but that kind of, you know, repetitive, you know, people know what they're getting and, they, and they're excited about what's coming. I like, why, why does that work so well?
1: Yeah. I think that could definitely be like a blessing and a curse. Cause you do sort of put yourself in a box when you're like so focused on the numbers and you know why you're getting those numbers. Like I was like, Oh, I can only do this one thing, but it also, um, is a blessing. Cause you get really, really good at this, like one specific thing that people are like in love with. And like, for that, like I was able to just dial in this like formula, like pretty perfectly to where I like, you know, my, my workflow was like, I knew exactly how to do it and exactly how to film it. And I could kind of plan the shoots and just, it was very efficient. And it kind of all like, made sense within those boundaries of like that formula. But then also like you become so obsessed with like going viral that you sort of are like, well, I, I don't even want to try and experiment with anything else. But then you're kind of forced to, because if you go viral a bunch of times, other people will start to do the same thing. and mm-hmm. And then people, like I said, get used to it. And then you'll start to see comments of like, Oh, God, I I hate this like style that everyone's doing. It's like the thing that you started is now like something that's just everywhere and people are so sick of it. And You're like, okay, time to drop that and move on to something else. But yeah, if, if you find like a niche or something that's really working for you, I think it's definitely worth kind of capitalizing on that.
0: Yeah. And speaking of that niche, like you've mentioned, it's it's the building of the the sandwich. It's quick. It's heavy handed. You've got the saucy, the meaty, the, the natural sound, you know, your your funny comments and everything. It was that kind of a premeditated approach or or like you said, was it just kind of happened and, and you decided to run with it?
1: So I made a video of a vegetable tart one day and it was like the video began with a big, crunchy noise and me like eating the food. And that one did really well. And I was like, why did this do well? Like the rest of the video sucked, but the <laughs> beginning had this like one specific thing. And I think it is that like crunch noise. And like, that is such a good hook for some reason. Like people, I know, I, I hate mukbangs personally, but I know mm-hmm. people like the sound of like a big crunchy bite. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to like keep that in there. And then you just do that and you can combine different aspects of videos that do well all you know kind of coming together and then you figure out what that formula is but i think it started with like me figuring out that big crunchy bite Mm -hmm. and then showing the actual final product in the beginning of the video and looping back to that at the end was kind of the hook that was Mm -hmm. definitely like the main thing
0: do you have you had any moments where you had like a great idea and then you feel like it completely flopped or, or failed
1: all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's still like a complete toss up what people are going to like. And TikTok's like always evolving and there's always new people on the platform and there's always new sticks and like new things that people are drawn to. So what y- used to be like clearly a viral video now, I'll, I have no idea how it's going to do so. I don't know any specific example. It happens all the time, though. But (laughs) yes, one thousand. We
0: we always see all the all the ones that do well, right? Not the ones that flop, I guess. Um, How would you describe, I guess, your approach to food and flavor
1: overall? I think it's pretty experimental. I try to be as much as possible. I, I don't really have any formal training. And so I didn't have any like habits going into like just learning how to cook and cooking. Now, even I'm sort of just like following my intuition. So I I think it's, it's, I don't know, it's experimental. It it doesn't really follow any like necessary, like guidelines or Mm -hmm. traditional rules or conventional kind of what you'd expect from a chef because I never actually was a chef. So that's sort of how I, I don't don't know. Honestly, I don't really have an approach. (laughs) I think that's the problem with me trying to describe it is I sort of just like throw shit on a sandwich and hope it tastes good. (laughs) But,
0: I think I mean it's working so far. I mean, like you said, sandwiches are kind of your bread and butter so to speak, no pun intended. What it is about the sandwich do you think that is resonating with people so much?
1: I mean, everyone loves a good sandwich. There's few people who can't relate to like just like the perfect sandwich and then it's also just a great canvas to build you know a meal on and regardless of like what you're making, even if it's the most fancy lavish thing of all time you can still create a sandwich out of it so it was just a great kind of blank drawing board for me to be able to sort of like yeah it is always a sandwich but it's also like anything you could ever think of to cook you can somehow you know like (laughs) put in a sandwich
0: yeah make it into a sandwich (laughs) make any dish and throw it in between two pieces of bread and you've got a sandwich right uh what what is the key what is the key to a perfect sandwich in your mind
1: it can't be dry it can't be overwhelmingly flavorful like you got to have balanced flavor it's you know follow the same rules as like normal just cooking in general like the flavor profiles all have to fit within each other like regardless of the fact that there are multiple layers like you know, it's hard to describe honestly. But, um,
0: <laughs> you just know when you see can't it. <laughs> be dry.
1: Yeah, you know when you see it. I also don't know how many rules there are in the, this. Like, I get yelled at every time I I make a video because I've broken some rule that I wasn't aware of before. Like, I did a duck sandwich where I poured a bunch of cheese on top of the duck. I didn't know you weren't supposed to put cheese on duck before, but the sandwich itself was phenomenal. Um, so I don't know if there are really any, like, big faux pas, like, no-no situations in, in sandwiches. You know, it's worth trying. And if it sucks, then just don't do it again, I guess, is one rule. Yeah.
0: I feel like there's also no rules. You know, if if it tastes good and you like it, like, that's that's all that matters, right?
1: Thousand <laughs> mm, <000%. laughs> percent.
0: What is your favorite sandwich video to date that you've made?
1: Oh, it's a tough one. I I love the Lamburger one just because that kind of did put put everything on the map a little bit. And the the sandwich itself is so incredible. I think there are some that flew a little bit under the radar. The, the French dip. I'm going to go with that. Okay. That's like my favorite sandwich I've ever made. It's like the most extravagant one. I think by far you make like this crazy prime rib roast. You do a really nice like compound herb butter on the outside. And it's this huge, fancy, like main course dish, mm-hmm. prime rib roast. And then you make like an incredible au jus and put it all in a sandwich. And it's just such an incredible meal. So I think I'm going to go with that one. And also I was able to pull off the production of the video really well, which sometimes you have an incredible idea and the food itself is so good. And then you just, just completely screw up the actual production of the video. And you have like, that's, there's, you know, there's two components to it. And, and luckily for that one, the sandwich worked out. And so did the videography part of it. So, so I, I'd say this, French dip sandwich for sure.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, clearly if, if anybody's followed you or, or listening to you talk about, you know, some of these, you know, sandwiches and creations that you've made, it's not just making sandwiches, right? Like you're, you're cooking different components. You obviously know how to cook. Where, where did you learn how to cook? Or or like you said, was it just all experimentation in the, the kitchen or was there somebody specific growing up that kind of inspired you?
1: Initially, definitely my parents, they like a lot of people, I mean, we're just such huge inspirations to me in the kitchen. They always had me like helping out and making sauces and and, and roasts and stuff with them. So you know, from the ages of like seven to 100 percent my parents. And then once I kind of got a hold of the internet and figured out I could learn from YouTube and stuff like that, all those guys like Babish, Matty Matheson, Chef John, Joshua Weisman, obviously like a, a ton of those dudes just literally taught me how to cook. And so I have I have a ton of gratitude towards them and, and they're like so inspirational too. And I still like, that's, that's still how I'm teaching myself how to cook. It's just going to any of their channels and looking for ideas or, or new techniques or ways to spin things. So those guys taught an entire generation how to cook. Honestly, I think like there's so many people that didn't go to culinary school or didn't work in kitchens that are still such incredible, like home chefs that learn from the people on YouTube and beyond. So a lot from those guys, for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that can be said for a lot of different things, right? Like YouTube has kind of opened up just a world for people to learn for free, you know? Yeah. And how do you approach that as, as somebody that's now, you know, I guess, teaching others to to do the same?
1: Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, I, I'm like thrilled to be able to show people, I mean, like such little novelty things too, that are so easy to do that people don't really understand as much like pickling or like Mm. making mayonnaise it's like such a simple process and then people like don't know like i'll I'll post a little tutorial about how to like pickle onions people like oh my god this is like the, the easiest thing that i would have never tried so it's it's really an incredible thing to be able to like help people through um certain things like that. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, level level people's cooking game up just like the smallest amount, just through like something as simple as mayonnaise, I think is really interesting because those are the things I think that you can experiment with so much because it's just one component and one ingredient, but there's a million ways to hack it. Mm -hmm. Like you could make any million variations of an aioli, but it's always the same. You just put eggs, oil, And some, you know, garlic and lemon and whatever else you want in a jar and and blend it. And it turns into mayonnaise. So things like that really excite me, like being able to teach people, because that's when I think people will go out on their own and Mm. and start to experiment beyond what you've kind of shown them is when they have like something like a, a pickled onion recipe and then they can throw whatever pickling spices they want in it or they can make it spicier or sweeter or saltier or, or less briny, or more briny, or mayonnaise. They can make it, you know, an aioli with, with duck fat, or they can just go out and kind of paint their own canvas, like I mentioned yeah. before. But so that that type of stuff really excites me. Teaching people like the simple kind of basics and where to start on certain things is, is fun.
0: Do you hear uh, back from people that have actually like tried or recreated any of your recipes and and like their their feedback? What's that like?
1: Yeah, it's it's really fun to go look at like who's reposting stuff and then like who's tagging you in their version of it. And honestly, I have kind of gotten my ass kicked on my own recipes so many times. <laughs> I'm like, that looks a thousand times better than what I made. But it's so so cool to see people like thanking me for the recipe and then going on and making it like their own and, and making it better or doing like a different thing with it. It's, it's really awesome. And it's, I, I'm able to like kind of see it in my Instagram thing. It's like, oh, this person tagged you in one of your recipes. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly scrolling through that and congratulating people and asking them how it was and stuff like that. It's awesome. It's really cool.
0: That's cool. Is there something that you like want to learn to cook or learn more about that you haven't yet?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd love to just get in the weeds with like more traditional cooking. I I love like making Mexican food and and making Asian food and and just food from across the globe. But I want to go to these places and and learn from, you know, the chefs who are doing it like in the most authentic way. Mm -hmm. I'm lucky enough actually next month. Yeah, wow, next month I'm leaving for Oaxaca for like a month and a half. And I'm going to learn from Alejandro Ruiz, who's a a just incredible, like legendary chef down there, how to make some like really traditional Oaxacan cuisine, like mole and and stuff like that, that, you know, is famous now, but I think he helped bring it to to the world. And I want to be able to do that with a lot of different types of food because I've learned from the internet, but it's, it's tough to know where they learned it from. You know, you want to get down to the roots of of where it's really from. And it's it's cool to be able to do stuff like that now because I'm kind of in the space. So now that I have the opportunity, I think I really need to take it, which is what I plan on doing. So very yeah, excited no, that sounds like incredible.
0: That. I'm sure you're going to be documenting the entire time oh, yeah. there. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to try and figure out a balance of like, helping them and him not being like, get that camera out of my fucking kitchen. Like, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But the primary focus of the trip really is to learn. Yeah, um, I'm going to try and film as much as I can and, and bring my, as much content back to my audience as I possibly can. But I really do want to just go there and learn as much as possible.
0: Yeah, I, I know you you mentioned Asia as well, and I know you spent some time there before the pandemic. What do you remember about just your food experiences while you were there?
1: Oh god! I mean, there was so much. That was such like an eye-opening experience. The the whole trip was insane. I mean, I I spent a lot of time in big cities where there would be like, I you know I'd just be eating street food. Every meal would be street food, and I was just like so thoroughly impressed with what dudes and and anybody could do with like the minimal like equipment like they'd have like a trash can and like a grate and like they'd live in like a corrugated shack on a corner and then they'd come out and make like the world's best like barbecue chicken on like this like (laughs) trash can fire and there'd be like a line down the block It was just like so incredible to see these people making like such incredible food and then we went to the Mentaway Islands off like the west coast of Indonesia and we lived really kind of deep in the jungle and we'd be like spearing frogs and stuff for dinner and they'd be making some ball and just, and I couldn't believe how good all the food tasted. So that was, that was an incredible experience. And I, I still don't really know how to make any of that stuff that well. <laughs> I definitely want to plan on going back. That was more of like just kind of a go there and eat mm. situation, but it's, it's definitely like broadened my love for food into more than kind of what I would Known from just eating here in America and stuff like that. So it's definitely an eye-opening experience.
0: What do you think your favorite bite and or destination was from
1: that trip? Vietnam. I was eating like four banh mi's a day when I was in (laughs) Vietnam. I was just going crazy on banh mi's because every corner has one and they're like 50 cents. So you can just go and eat a banh mi every like 20 feet. You're walking, you get like a banh mi and a beer and, and... that's just your entire day. And I was obsessed with like the pate. So good. They just would have it in this like big jug and they just, it was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely though. So I was, I was a big fan of that.
0: Where else do you find your inspiration for, you know, recipes, content, videos, et cetera?
1: Yeah. I think a lot of the people on TikTok right now are really killing it. People are getting so creative, just kind of based off of like necessity. I feel like there's so many people doing the same thing now that it's like so impressive what some of the people even just on TikTok are creating. And they're doing stuff that I don't think is done in kitchens, really. I think that a lot of people are still coming from that same background of like not having a ton of formal training. So they're just like making stuff up that sounds good in their brains and throwing it on the internet. So I think there's a ton of inspiration to be drawn from literally just like scrolling on food TikTok. I love watching, you know, guys like Owen Hahn or, you know, Golden Balance, Ahmad, those guys are all just killing it, making such incredible food. So love watching my contemporaries just play around in the kitchen They're such inspirational people. And I'm, I'm so proud of what they're doing, too.
0: Yeah. And a lot of times you guys do, you know, collaborations together. I mean, how, how do you describe this, you know, online culinary community that's that's kind of blown up in the last couple of years?
1: It's amazing. I mean, I've I've heard that in previous generations there's been competition or chefs didn't like each other but the amount of camaraderie and and just like how welcome i felt when i was kind of starting out everybody's so incredibly nice um and and encouraging of each other and and just like stoked to see other people win i haven't you know met one rude person or anything like that everybody's like you're killing it like keep it up just keep doing your thing like just so proud of each other. And there's so much encouragement and it's all, I think probably just coming from a place of like, we're all kind of in this together a little bit and there's room for everybody and everybody's adding their own sort of flavor. Um, so it's really cool. And and we all are actual genuine friends in real life now, which is really incredible. I've gotten to like chat with all these people who before I was successful by any means, were like kind of, you know, my heroes a little bit. I was like, these guys are killing it. Like all these, these girls and guys are just doing such incredible things. And now I'm able to like chat with them and and have real, just like normal conversations with them. I, I just got to meet Babish this past weekend, which was like, the most starstruck I've ever been in my entire <laughs> life. I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Oh my god!" I, I've never. Sh- I'm like shaking right now, like a little <laughs> kid. But it's so cool, and everyone's just incredibly nice, and it's it's really refreshing, and and I'm very happy about it.
0: Coming up next, Henry talks about what it takes to develop a line of salts, and gives us the scoop on his favorite Food Network shows. I know you also have developed a line of salts that you sell online which is obviously very on brand. What is the process of developing a product like
1: Yeah, it's definitely a lot of ups and downs. We're still <laughs> I think now we've we've kind of figured it out, but there was a lot of like learning moments for sure. I tried to kind of do it all on my own in the beginning and and like we were literally mixing like parsley with like raw garlic and and, and dried garlic and stuff and Jars, And, you know, I've gone through multiple like distributors and suppliers and and fulfillment centers and things like that. And just learning the business is so, so it's like such a crash course and masterclass on, on um, just consumer packaged goods and the salt world in general. And just like e-commerce and everything like that is, I mean, I'm not really necessarily like an operations guy at all. I finally outsourced it to somebody who is, but we had some very major screw ups in the beginning. I feel really bad about this, but we sold way more than we thought we were going to during Black Friday. And we couldn't figure out how to turn on the sold out thing on Shopify. So we were at a product, but we were still selling so a bunch of stuff got to people really late. So if you're listening to this and your salt got there a couple of weeks late, I'm so sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I feel like salt can get a bad rap when you're talking about sodium and, and that kind of thing. How do you convince people not to be shy with salt in the kitchen?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would say if you want your food to taste good, then you can't be shy with salt right. first and <laughs> foremost. I think that that should be a secondary worry. Maybe if you want to watch what you're eating a couple meals a day, and then make something incredible for dinner or something like that. Then you can uh, be shy in your and your and your meals that are just for sustenance, and then try to appreciate one meal and salt the hell out of it.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I know you created a pesto chili egg on crack and egg with for Food Network, and in that video talked about you know loving food from the moment you you tasted your per- first piece of salami. Were there any Food Network shows that you grew up watching?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, several. Man vs. Food, big fan of that. Triple D, obviously. Beat Bobby Flay was probably, I think, definitely my favorite, has always been kind of my favorite. We used to watch that in college all the time. And that's actually another show I got a ton of inspiration. I mean, it's such a good show to just go watch. In one episode, you get to watch like six different meals get made. So, great place if you're kind of in a creative rut yourself, looking for some inspiration uh, go watch Beat Bobby Flay, and I'm sure there will be a meal or two on there that you can maybe like recreate yourself. But yeah, I mean everything on Food Network obviously is <laughs> incredible, so.
0: I mean, speaking of Bobby Flay, I, I feel like your love for Calabrian chilies rivals his love for that pepper as well. If you were on an episode of Beat Bobby Flay, what challenge would you win or hope to? Like, what would you go in there with on an episode of Beat Bobby Flay?
1: That's such a tough question. I mean, he's literally the GOAT. But I have seen him be beat several yep. times. So it happens. I might have to hit him with that bond me, honestly. Like, I can't. Come at him from the, like, you know, Latin or Southwestern angle. He's obviously got that dialed. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like if I had a specialty, I would say it was that. So I think I'm going to go with, yeah, that bond me dip that I mentioned before.
0: No, I, mm-hmm. I think that would be a, an interesting one to watch because I, I think for for both of you, it wouldn't necessarily be, you know, a traditional Bond me. Yeah. it would be like your take on a banh mi it's not like you know it was like a traditional you know vietnamese chef or something like that doing it so i think that that would be definitely an interesting battle to watch for sure uh what about chopped if you could create a chopped basket what what would be inside for the cool. uh for the competitors
1: i think i do pretty well with like weird meat i think i'd have a competitive edge if there was like a whole duck or something in there mm-hmm. like I don't know like a leg of lamb or something like that that like people would be like what do I do here? I could figure something else out with with something like that that I think might give me an edge on other people but a whole basket I don't know I like mushrooms weird meat there's always like some some like curveball in there like mm-hmm. brown sugar or something <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go on the show and find out I guess but yeah. I, I saw a bunch of uh TikTokers had their own that, chopped huh? episode recently. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I was so proud to watch that. As Golden Balance won, yeah. um, My guy I mentioned earlier. Yeah, he, he kicked ass. That was that was sick.
0: No, it was a it was a fun episode to watch for sure.
1: That's yeah, that's nerve wracking for those guys. I mean, for me, it would be just like having the actual. I didn't mean to incorporate the word chops in here, but having the chops to be able to go on that show without like technical you know, a ton of technical experience and, and make something mm-hmm. out of, and I, it is all real. They were, they came back and I talked to them about it and they were like, yeah, no, this is all legit. Like yeah, no yeah. Fit, none of it's faked. We had no clue what we were getting beforehand. And the time limit is like, you are, you know, deadlocked into that 30 minutes or however long it is. And it's like, wow, that's crazy. You'd think the production would give you like a little bit of a hint or something beforehand. <laughs> so that's, that's terrifying i mean it's nerve-wracking <laughs>
0: no it's it was it, it's what makes it good right like i feel like i've I've co-hosted on beat bobby fly a few times and i get the same like similar questions like is it rigged like why does he always win like does he <laughs> yeah. know the secret ingredient i'm like no he doesn't like he doesn't know Like, he's just really good
1: <laughs> yeah i've heard that people have told me he's, he'll like bang out four episodes in a day having yeah. no idea what's coming just like it's crazy he's a machine i mean that's it's, it's why truly. he is who he is. It makes sense. I think that's a,
0: a perfect way to describe him for sure. Well, this has been so much fun um, getting to chat and uh, hear your story. We're going to finish things off with a few rapid fire questions. And then we have one final question for you. Um, so rapid fire round, your favorite TikTok follow.
1: Oh, to Rick Kitchen.
0: Last thing in your notes app.
1: <laughs> Calabrian chili aioli. <laughs> 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 Wow, that couldn't have been more. Wow. Yeah, that's
0: funny. Okay, well, mic drop there. No, we still have a couple more. That's incredible, though. (laughs) Most used phrase
1: god it's not even it's so boring but i say that's pretty good in like almost every single video <laughs> it's it's the only thing i could think of to say when i'm eating the sandwich I'm like that's so good but i don't want to be like it's so good because that's what everyone says i'm like that's pretty pretty good pretty good <laughs> I, I gotta think of a better one than that though if i'm gonna make March about it
0: <laughs> what's the last plane ticket that you booked
1: Miami. I just got back from South Beach Wine and Food Festival, oh, yes, true. which was incredibly fun. Got to meet some food network legends out there actually. Very cool. Got to cook on stage with Guy Fieri.
0: Really? That's awesome. Yeah, what
1: a ridiculous What a, tell us about that? Rush. Okay, I
0: know this is rapid fire, but now I now I need to know more about the yeah. guy uh, cooking demo. How did that come
1: about? It was crazy. I mean, they, they so we had like FoodieCon, which was like a little sister event to South Beach Wine and Food and they had me and Owen doing a sandwich on stage, which is, like, pretty classic. And they were like, by the way, if you want to have a moderator, come on. Let us know you'd like. And obviously, we were going to, like, shoot for the stars. Never thought we would get Guy. But we were like, oh, Guy Fieri. Like, that'd be great if we could get Guy. And then, like, a week before, they were like, oh, he's down. Like, you're you're doing it with Guy. I was like, what the hell? Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, holy crap. So we we were freaking out. I was incredibly nervous. Um, He actually, his son went to my high school Hunter. So I Mm. went to high school with Hunter years ago. I had met Guy. So we had a little bit of common ground going into it, but yeah, me and Owen went on stage with Guy and made some Cubanos and it was great. I mean, he's, he's such a pro and so natural, like on stage and and such like a leader in those situations that he made it easy. He was just asking us questions, kind of rapid fire like this the whole time. He's just like firing off about Cubanos Mm -hmm. and how to just pick ingredients and just little details and stuff. And he's such an entertainer that he just, he made it really easy. Obviously such an honor to like be able to be even like in the same room as him. So that was one of the, I think probably actually the coolest experience that's come from all of this entire thing was was cooking with guy. That was really, really, really really incredible.
0: That's awesome. I'm so glad we got to hear about that. All right. Tool you can't live without in the kitchen.
1: I mean, chef's knife, right? Yeah, it's got to be chef's knife. <laughs> I've been using my mandolin a lot lately. Yeah, chef's knife. I'm chef's with knife. that.
0: Most underrated pantry staple.
1: Ooh, Creole seasoning. Mm. I'd say Creole or just Cajun seasoning, like Tony Chachere's or Slap Your Mama or Old Bay or something like that. I think is so clutch in specific moments if you just want to make like a chicken breast or any type of simple dish and need to make it taste good in two seconds, that is the easiest way to do it. Literally that with butter and garlic and lemon. And, and it's like, oh my God, you just impressed everyone there. So definitely one of those. I think any, any type of Cajun seasoning.
0: Love that. Sauce, everyone has to try once, or maybe sauce that everybody has to learn.
1: Chimmy one. Chimichurri. chimichurri, yeah, absolutely. It's my go-to for anything. It's good on everything, and I literally could just eat it like cereal, spoon feed it <laughs> in my mouth. I'm obsessed with chimichurri. I I could eat that all day, and it's so easy to make. So.
0: Yeah, Definitely that one. I love a good chimichurri. All right. Our, our final question is not rapid fire. So you can take as long as you want on this one. We ask everybody the same question. Obviously, we get completely different answers from everybody. So what is on the menu for your perfect food day? So like take us through the whole day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. There are no rules. So you can time travel, spend as much money as you want, be served by any chef. Wow. You know, it's your day. Just take us through the ideal meals for Salt Hank.
1: okay oh my gosh all right this might take a second (laughs) that's okay all right starting the day this is like a saturday okay but (laughs) michelada in the morning has been like my go-to thing i love a michelada in the morning so that corned beef hash is my favorite breakfast so like a really well done corned beef hash so that for breakfast a michelada a corned beef hash Mm -hmm. boom done sourdough toast amazing tons of salt hot sauce, all that. For lunch, French dip. Again, I've definitely (laughs) definitely gone French dip, like a a big old prime rib roast, really nice caramelized onions with like red wine and cooked down with some Worcestershire sauce and like an au jus with some bouillon in it. So it's really flavorful and salty and briny. Oh yeah, (laughs) love that. And definitely want to seal the day off with like a tasting menu. I think I'd just let Thomas Keller... Like come to my house and make me French laundry. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm your day.
0: Like, I said there's no rules, so I think. Okay, that's,
1: there's no rules. <laughs> yeah, I'm just he's hanging out at my house for four hours and making me a full twelve to thirteen light like course French laundry <laughs> tasting menu. <laughs> that's that's dinner.
0: All right. Well, what, do you have a garden, though? Where Where is he going to source all of his food?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll let him figure that yeah, out. I'm sure. So. <laughs> or I'll go Are, to Napa. I'm cool with that, there,
0: too. Well, I mean, that works, too. Are you having yeah. dessert or not a dessert guy?
1: I'm I'm having dessert of Thomas Keller's cooking yes, it, but tip, typically, probably not. But, if you know, it's him. So I'm sure
0: it. it'll be fabulous for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That sounds like a perfect food day, a perfect Salt Hank food day. And it's been so much fun just to watch your meteoric rise on the Internet and continued success and looking forward to seeing your highlights from Oaxaca as well.
1: Thank you so much, Jamie. This was an absolute blast. Really appreciate you guys having me on.
0: You can watch Henry's episode of Crack an Egg with on foodnetwork.com and make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday.